Hi, I'm Adrienne Barbeau, author and star of films like Creepshow, Swamp Thing, Cannibal Women in the Avocado Jungle of Death, and The Convent. And this is She Kills, a Shudder original podcast, where we sit down and discuss all of the things we love about the genre that has given women some of the most iconic roles in film history. There's a scene in The Convent where the heroine begs me to save her younger brother from the murderous nuns. Forget about it, I tell her. Unless he's a virgin, he's already dead. He's not a virgin, is he? Then I see the look on her face. Oh, great. It's always something with virgins. In this episode, we explore the dated trope of sex equals death from a deservedly more modern perspective, with women who know a thing or two about slashing sexual stereotypes. Director of The Invitation, Destroyer, and Jennifer's Body, Karen Kusama talks with director, producer, and actress Emily Deschanel, who not only stole our hearts while looking at dead bodies for over a decade on her TV series Bones, but also earned some serious horror cred after starring in the terrifying 2005 film Boogeyman. Um, I'm Karen Kusama, and I'm a film director and a TV director. I'm Emily Deschanel, and I am a, an actress or actor. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> and I work, I've mostly worked in television for the last many years, but I have also worked in film. We asked Karen and Emily why the death and sex trope exists in horror. Well, I mean, I think historically you'll think of the women being punished for their sexuality in a way, the, the, um, the women having sex or being promiscuous or even coming of age are the ones that are kind of killed first, right? That's what we think of. I mean, I think that there's other opportunities, uh, there's other situations that even way back when where women were empowered in horror um, and weren't punished for their sexuality. But I think that is definitely a trope where they're punished in that way. But also I think it's this idea that uh, sex itself is this like monstrous force in in both girls and boys and it needs to somehow be managed or controlled or eradicated somehow, you know? Recently, Jennifer's body has seen a resurgence in audience interest. So we asked Karen and Emily why they think the film is being given a second life. You know, it's, it's interesting because nine years ago, there was a real hostility toward the movie in general, a hostility even from the studio that made it, um, which was hmm, a painful thing to experience. But, um, but I think... I, I personally, I feel so traumatized by the Kavanaugh hearings, and I feel like having watched that entitled, not that bright seeming prick mm -hmm. lose it on national television, have no one, male or female, school him on his terrible behavior, have a very which we love to say, credible witness as in the victim of his first and perhaps one of many assaults um, speak authentically and calmly and from a place of reflection um, in Christine Blasey Ford. And then to have none of that mean anything. Um, you know, it's like one horror on top of another horror. It's like the horror she experienced, then the horror of having to relive it in front of a national audience and then having all of it be for naught i was like this is this is unreal that we're that this is 
I thought things were going to change. I, I actually thought he wasn't going to get confirmed. 100%. And to have it all happen again and not be there's a pubic hair on my Coke can, have it be a, a, a sexual assault. Mm-hmm. It was really like, wow, women's bodies are just bodies. Women's lives are secondary. And and we once again have been reminded of what the fight really is in us. So to answer your question, I wonder if there was something about just how stormy it all felt and like this question of like, do we just have to turn into monsters who like rip a man apart and eat their intestines? Is that all that's left for us? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it certainly feels empowering to watch something like that. I think when I think so many women, especially, were so like you talked about, so strongly affected by oh. the Kavanaugh hearings. And I mean, I know so many people who went into a depression oh. for a period of time, um, including myself to a yes. certain degree. And I think that it, it, part of it is feeling powerless. Yeah. And I think when you watch a movie like Jennifer's Body, where you know, yes, she turns into a monster, yeah. but she has power, right? Yeah. And and to have um, two females have power in different ways uh-huh. in the film, too. You see uh-huh. both of them acting out in different ways and, and not feeling helpless or right. hopeless in right. that way. And I think it might be why there's so much attention for it now is uh-huh. not just because of the Me Too movement, but I think you're right with the Kavanaugh hearings. I think it just took it to another level of feeling completely um, helpless in a oh, way. Oh, yeah. And, and I mean, I think the complicated thing about the movie then and even now, but in a different way, is that she never chose bad bad kids. Mm-hmm. She never chose bad boys. She actually always found herself Sweet. in the company of nice kids and she killed them anyway Mm -hmm. and that kind of like the ruthlessness of that I think it's like I think we're I personally felt like that's what made the movie morally interesting because I don't think like I don't think vengeance for vengeance's sake is actually that interesting and so I just wonder if as women we're just kind of like wouldn't it be what would it be like if we got away with as much as men do yeah you know like what if we could just get away with murder mm-hmm. and rape and and have no consequence. I don't think it's a very happy ending ultimately to have that. But anyway, the happy ending in the film, you mean? In the film, but in life. I mean, personally, I don't have a sense that I I personally as a woman don't want to live in a world where I get away with where I do get away with it. I just want a more just world, which mm-hmm. is like my problem apparently (laughs) but it is such a good point that she doesn't just go after i mean it's not just like a rape revenge film Mm -hmm. where you're just going and avenging something that happened to her in a way she it's very much seems like she's raped in a lot i mean when she's you know stabbed and killed and sacrificed right Mm -hmm. but um yeah it'd be easy for it to just be like she hunts down those band members and kills them one by one right but that would be much cleaner and it is much more morally kind of like swampy yes to to then be like find your best friend's boyfriend and you know to find nice people and you and friends of your best friend that goes into like you know adolescent female relationships too which makes it so interesting and complex I think yeah Yeah, I, I think it's probably pretty modern in that way 
Both Karen and Emily have created important female characters in their films, and audiences that respect their creative choices. We were curious about what the fan response has been like over the years. Me, I mean, because because I worked on a TV show Bones for twelve years, mm. and when you know, and this is an interesting topic we can even talk about is when I chose to do it, especially doing a television show. I wanted to think about like what kind of character I'm putting into the world and like is that ne not necessarily a role model but how do I feel about it? is this a strong female character um, and for me playing a, a woman strong intelligent woman in science my favorite thing mm. that I hear and I I'll hear it a lot is from like people come up to me and say oh I went into science because of mm. watching that show and you had it wasn't just my character but we had um, several strong female characters, and I would always point out, like, we have the bigger offices, we have the more powerful jobs, we get more pay paid more all our characters <laughs> than a lot of the uh, the male characters would have, like, a cubicle or, like, solid. <laughs> I was like, look at what we're putting out there in the world. So I thought about that before taking the job, and it was a good thing because it lasted for 12 years, so you do want to think about that. <laughs> um, but I would love to hear from you. Like, like, when you go into film, are you thinking about, like, how, what you're putting, you know, because you have such strong female characters in your films. And mm -hmm. I'm also wondering, like, if you think about, like, oh, I want to put that into the world or am I entertaining? I mean, it has to be both. Right. Or do you think about that? Or are you I mean, just I thinking don't about even story? Think, I don't character? actually think about female characters in terms of, like, strength so much as are they interesting? Mm -hmm. So even yeah. if, you know, I mean, one of the favorite characters that I ever got to kind of put on screen was the character of Eden mm. in The Invitation who who is not strong. Um, she's super interesting, very complicated. Right. She makes terrible choices um, and out of a very real and authentic place. And so as the actors, I felt Tammy Blanchard had a lot to work with and I think she felt she had a lot to work with and she was like, it's part of so for me, I mean, I'm I'm most interested in just like dimensional women, mm -hmm. you know, like I think it's yeah. so <sighs> dimensional people, too, by the way. I mean, I, I don't think men get like just crazy, interesting roles in film and TV either. Really, I think they get maybe more of them and maybe they have the opportunity to advocate if they're they're able to for for something more layered. But um, historically, it just seems like both film and TV can suffer from not offering enough dimension to, to both men and women. But particularly with women, I'm always hoping, like, is this just somebody that is interesting to watch, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Because one thing I'm getting a lot of feedback about is, like, this interest in kind of badass women. And I do love them. But I tend to feel like badass women are really lonely um, in the way they're, they've typically been depicted on screen. Yeah. They're like lone wolves. And that's interesting, but not not really the world I live in. Like the badass women I know are like social workers and architects and painters. And you know what I mean? Yeah. And so in a way, it's like I'm trying to find another way into that conversation because I don't – I mean, as much as I – obviously have been interested in women who like use their body against a person to protect themselves or to lash out. I'm I'm also interested in like all the women who I, I would like to start moving toward depicting more of those women who I just think are fascinating because 
as your character is. Their minds are so powerful. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's such a good point, that it's not just about strength, but it's about um, having a complex character that yeah. has a lot of things going, you know, that is... Knowledge, expertise, yeah. something yes. to offer, something to yes. learn from, you know? Yeah. I personally think it's important to talk about, like, context and framing and branding and marketing. And so, like, in terms of this pushback or making the change... I couldn't control, for instance, the way Jennifer's body was mismarketed to boys, the way it was reviled by critics and fans. Um, you know, like there was a lot that I was just like not in control of. But now when people say, what do you think people should take away from the movie or what can they learn from the movie? Um, I just say, well, the movie hasn't changed. You know, the movie was always the movie. The movie mm -hmm. was always speaking from that place. Maybe maybe the thing that would be interesting to examine beyond the movie itself and your now potential new openness to it is why did you dismiss it in the first place? Mm -hmm. What what were the cues that told you this is worth not taking seriously? Mm -hmm. This is worth piling on to. This is worth sending crazy violent tweets to Megan Fox and mm -hmm. Diablo Cody for no reason. Like what was motivating that? You know, why do we think this is happening in ourselves that we're so easily willing to just kind of accept the messaging that we get, you know? And so I'm I'm always asking myself, like, what could really be going on here or how how is something being framed for me? Because I think it's happening now in such an intense way in in media and culture and politics and religion and you know like there's just so many messages coming at us and I sometimes want to just like stop and try to um, it's like hear the different frequency like find a different frequency and see if there's something else actually getting communicated that's kind of what I've been thinking about lately yeah. I mean, it's such an interesting thing to think about even now when you think about the, to not to get political again, but like the Russian whole hacker. Oh. I mean, that how they influence an election in our Absolutely. country and have like driven a narrative about certain things in social media. And so why should we just take what we're getting from, you know, whether it's the marketing um, of a certain film or mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. anything, like why not just sit and figure out what you feel about something as it Total, is, right? Totally. And what you mentioned, the idea that in terms of what has been determined about the, the Russian interference is that early on they cannily understood that the narrative people could understand the most was an idea of divisiveness, mm -hmm. complete mm. polarity us versus them, you know? And so they kept pushing this idea that Democrats, even to liberal-leaning people, they pushed this, like, complete progressive messaging and then much more conservative messaging and as if to sort of create a narrative of divisiveness. And now we are in lockstep living that narrative of divisiveness. And I really think we should be asking ourselves, like, are we that divided? Is the person next to me potentially my enemy? Of course not. Mm -hmm. That's ridiculous. How can we have believed this so mm -hmm. deeply? How could we have fallen for it? You know? Yeah, we're living that now. I know. They created a world now, and now yeah. we're living it. Now it's yeah. our reality. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and yet at the same time, mm -hmm. it's like I have to believe that the 48 or 49 percent 
of people in these midterms who voted one way or the other are also capable of wrestling with that decision to pull that lever. I, I have to believe that we're not just ideological zombies, but you know, maybe we are. I, but I yeah. but I'm really crossing my fingers. Yeah, I not. want to believe we're not. I want to believe that we're not. <laughs> I want to believe that we're not. And maybe that's my naive. Maybe that's just me, you know, being too hopeful. I thought it was interesting too, going back to your talking about the reception of Jennifer's body to begin with, and just thinking about too how horror as a genre was always like be you know like like the 1950s or wherever when it started coming out as a genre it's like you go to the drive-in for that movie it's low budget Mm -hmm. um totally as a result the studios aren't as involved Mm -hmm. um and they can kind of do what they want but you're you're it's always been kind of considered like a second class genre oh totally it's a lowbrow it's a lowbrow um form and it's like um i it it's it's like uh yeah, it is. It's like the second-class citizen yeah. of, of movies in a way. And yet, so many interesting ideas come, particularly because of what you said, I think there's more freedom at these lower budgets for interesting ideas to emerge. Yeah. But they come kind of undercover of night and undercover of the genre itself. Yeah. So, so, I mean, I've always said I'm, like, most interested by the, like, um, I want to say the 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 art forms that people just instinctively knee jerk call trash, I'm I'm very interested by mm-hmm. you know because I'm just kind of like basically more than anything in terms of content most people are watching porn. Wouldn't it be interesting if porn were more interesting? Right, right, like wouldn't yeah. that I'm like I'm so curious mm-hmm. like surely somebody out there is making interesting porn. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that should be my next move, but maybe. Right. Like I'm not like ruling it out because I just feel like there's so much um I don't know, there's just so much um to unpack about like high and low art, you know? I mean, look at what's happened to TV. Mm-hmm. Tw- 20 years ago, people would say TV was like a second-class citizen mm-hmm. of storytelling. Mm-hmm. That's actually proving to now kind of almost turn upside down and features you have to work a lot harder to prove your worth. Mm-hmm. A yeah. lot harder. Whereas TV, I think, is just interesting, 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 interesting. And more and more people want to be doing Absolutely. television. And now you have and so it. many, yeah, and so many people, and so many uh, ways of making television, viewing television, streaming. I mean, everyone's doing it in different ways. Totally. And um, it's kind of exciting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Absolutely. But it is true. I mean, I, you know, back doing deciding to do TV show I remember I had lots of friends who were actors who had been told not don't do a TV yeah. show no. and then like some of them are not working right now you know yeah, what I yeah, mean yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, I you know everyone makes choices um but it's easy to kind of be judgmental about certain things or put things down but you have to think about why you're doing that I think it's such a good Absolutely. point of like people are watching these things yeah. why are we saying that's lesser than if we're still watching it and enjoying it Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and and particularly the long-running shows, yours is one of them. They have intrinsic cultural value because they are run long, l- running long. Like there must be something it's providing. You know, there is a cult. It, it's like I always think of shows like The Golden Girls, mm-hmm. where it's like mm-hmm. Maud. Mm-hmm. These were shows about older women. Yeah, and people kept watching yeah. them because we needed to see it we you know we need to see like a woman in science mm. 
We just need that desperately. And so in a way, when was the last time we really saw that in a movie? It's like literally like crickets. I can't even think of, (laughs) you know what I mean? It's kind of like, so in a way, it's like if this is how we find what we're our unconscious is craving, it's really important, you know? Yeah, it's interesting. Can I ask a question about TV? Yeah. So when you signed up for that show, was it like that you knew it was going to be a five-year potential commitment or three-year? Or, like, how does it work? Like, did you ever imagine 12 years? Never. No, but Uh I had a seven-year contract. Oh, seven. Okay. Yeah. That was kind of like, I think it's probably changed now, even in... um, network shows but that's all that was always to the, be shorter i think it's been shorter now and uh-huh. people are kind of negotiating shorter mm-hmm. shorter seasons and uh-huh. then less seasons and all of that but i signed a seven-year contract and wow. that was every time i did a pilot that was what it was and um but i remember thinking you know i did pilots and they didn't get picked mm-hmm. up and then i had friends who got shows but they lasted a season or something right? right so you see that and you know it's like winning the lottery so i don't know i just never conceived of it going for so long at all. I, I remember thinking when it first started, you know, this could this could last for three years. You know, like this would be crazy if it lasted for three years. And then it's tw- I did it for 12 years. So, mm-hmm. um, And yeah. were there ever moments that you're like, this is a gilded cage? Or did you feel like actually there was something just gratifying about being there and seeing the show develop? I would say both. Uh-huh. I mean, I, 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 you know, creatively at a certain point, it's kind of frustrating to keep playing the same. You know, I love playing the character, and and she changed over time, which yeah. was wonderful. And that's something you don't always get to do with film. Like you can change in a mm. film, but it's you don't see it gradually happen over time. Totally. And you can kind of switch directions as you get in. You know, oh, yeah. your how you feel yourself. You talk to the producers and the writers, and and the network will have a say as well. And the like mm-hmm. the they pool audiences about where they want the character to go in certain dire- in certain ways. Mm-hmm. And so you can kind of shape that, which is really exciting. Yeah. Um, and I'm somebody who always, um, you know, I'll, I always get excited reading the next script for the show because I always yeah. find something that would be really interesting. And I really loved the character and I really loved the people I worked with. It's wonderful. So I really loved doing the show. But at times I did feel like, Okay, I'd love to do something else creatively. Of course. Um, or sometimes, you know, I had kids in there, so I was like, I wish I'd had more time with my kids. Of course. So, yeah, so both, I would yeah, say. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. I, it's so funny because I was actually literally thinking about this when I was driving over here because I recently saw this movie, Mandy. Mm-hmm. And um, have you seen it? Is that the. Maggie Gyllenhaal? No. It's what is that uh, one? Nick Andy. Cage and Andrea Reesborough and oh, um, yeah, Linus okay. Roach. And so I saw it on no, the big screen where, where one should see it. And for me, and I really want to get into this conversation with the director and with people who love the film and with people who hate the film because I imagine there's both. But for me, the movie was like sort of expressing this like heavy metal feminism that is just like straight down Broadway of my dreams. Like that's exactly like where I want to live at that movie. And I was kind of watching it like, I'm so mad I didn't make this movie. Like I'm so pissed. And I realized like seeing, seeing movies that have very powerful, almost mystical depictions of women mm-hmm. And having that come from a male imagination was really interesting and moving to me. And it made me think, like, God, what are the what are the imaginative 
detours that women are making right now that are that kind of bonkers and that like willfully sort of like I am holding you hostage to my imagination. Mm. And I kind of felt like that's what that movie was doing for me. And I was just like, where's the woman? Where's the next woman who's going to make that movie that just feels like whether you love it or you hate it, you feel like it is just undeniably like emerging out of somebody's brain space, you know? And I do feel like that's something we're going to see more of from women, and I think it's going to be more celebrated. Um, I recognize that Mandy was made by a man, but I but I, I feel like it's somehow about what the, the dangerous, like, apocalyptic world that we would be looking at if if women continue to be desecrated. And it's hard to watch. It's not mm-hmm. like easy every second. But for me, I was just kind of like, oh, yes. You know, so personally, that movie really inspired me to be thinking about like, oh, God, you know, where's the like, where's the female version of that that director and that, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's so interesting. And I'm going back in my mind and when you're talking about you know, seeing women, what are women going to be in horror now in this time? And what an LGBTQ oh, totally. I mean, a, a, a representation of women of color, people, of all the you think that this is the place for that you want, you know, because like we we're talking about horror being treated like a second class citizen genre, like people who've been marginalized in some way. This is the place for um, for for everyone to be depicted and to have stories about them. And I think that I hope, I feel like it is changing. I feel like, you know, even if in politics things are not happening in the way that we think, like (laughs) most people... Culture is faster. Culture is faster. Most people believe that gay uh, marriage should be legal. I mean, it is. But like more more people... That wasn't true a few years ago. Right, right, right. Uh, And like, you know, obviously... um, We're behind <laughs> what's happening. But I think culturally we're much more ahead. And also, of course, we are and we do live in a place that is much more left leaning and we work in a business that is much more left leaning in general. Mm-hmm. And you'd hope that that kind of we take that um, and take it further. And I think that women are craving that. Absolutely. I think all people who felt marginalized in any way are craving that. And I think seeing them. Um, empowered and films is just going to be it's just going to happen more exponentially that's what I hope but sometimes things happen slower than we want hardcore horror fans are constantly rediscovering old works and giving them new life do you think it's possible to predict whether a project will rise to cult status I mean doing I mean I'll just talk about <laughs> Boogeyman it's very exciting I haven't talked about it in a long time no uh, but I mean I just you know I t- what I think is interesting about that I mean, I just did it when I was young and, um, and you know, I, I, I like those, you know, the walking up the stairs and being scared and like, don't go up the stairs. But I still went up the yeah, stairs. Yeah. You know, I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. oh, I'm doing all those things that I see in movies. Um, but what I liked about my experience doing that is that my character was originally killed and then we did a whole reshoot mm-hmm. to have my character live. And of course, then there was a Boogeyman 2, which I had nothing to do with. Why? No one asked me. I probably would have done it, but no one asked me. Had nothing. They had a whole other storyline, right? But I thought that was kind of, um, I really love that, that they 
decided not to kill me in the end. They tested it, it and probably tested people it. were like, we really don't want to see that character go. Yeah, I think they did. And I feel like, of course, they talked to me about like, oh, well, we want you there for a possible sequel to it. <laughs> and they probably meant it at the time. I don't know. Maybe they didn't mean it at the time, but I believed it at the time. And uh, <laughs> and um, but yeah, I think they liked the character. People, I think that's what it was. I think they did test it. And I think people liked the character and they didn't want to see her die. Mm. Other care, another female character died. Another, I can't, you know, other, other. Oh, there's lots of scariness, mm-hmm. but I don't remember mm-hmm. who else died in it, honestly. But, um, anyways, so yeah, they, we did a whole reshoot. I flew back to New Zealand for two weeks to do a whole reshoot, um, to resurrect you. To yeah, exactly, to resurrect me, like a phoenix from the flames. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Oh, the work. What what oh, yeah. what lasting impact. I don't um think in those terms for myself because I uh I'm too busy trying to like figure out the story. I'm actually just like telling in the moment and hoping that that has a um you know, some kind of honesty, but um I I do hope that you know I hope we all get to be part of work that can be reevaluated and looked at again and looked at within a cultural context and, um, you know, appreciated for the first time or reappreciated or re sort of assessed, you know. So I'm always hoping that, like, there's, I mean, it's funny when you bring up this idea of women with limitless powers. I, I actually feel like a lot of, Japanese horror works with that idea and it's interesting that so much of that has been like re recycled here um and probably kind of somehow westernized or americanized but there is something about like women who can you know manage to put you in a body you know put you in a burlap bag and just sort of watch you wiggle in the corner for a long time that's a really scary woman you know like this w- woman without um, w- woman without compassion. That's so scary. And maybe that's just getting us closer to the idea of like, well, a human without compassion is terrifying. You know, so it's scarier because we want women to be soft and pliable and take care of us. What happens when they have zero interest in doing any of those things? Well, that's the other question, too, is like, can women characters, is part of our our monstrousness as women, the ability to make bad choices, Mm. that somehow like men make bad choices and that's like an interesting story, Mm -hmm. whereas women make bad choices and they're punished for it or they're monstrous because of it. Mm -hmm. But and that was definitely a Jennifer's body kind of like backlash. You know, it's like a little bit, I think. There were people wrestling with Jennifer because they wanted so badly for her to simply be an empty vessel, mm-hmm. to just be Jennifer's body. But, you know, she she made some choices that were maybe the wrong choice, but, like, she was smart and had agency to begin with mm-hmm. in the movie, which made her even scarier once she was just sort of, like, you know, infused with this monstrous power, you know. And... Oh, I was just going to say that makes me think about how I I think of I I think horror is as a genre much more about emotions. Right. I mean, and I think that we associate that with female and 
scary, you know, that's a female, uncontrollable emotions is really scary for a woman to have, the, you know, like the hysteria thing. Yeah. I just think it's so interesting. I think that goes to like this deep fear. I think male fear and probably female fear, where, you know, like when a woman has strong emotions, that's very scary. <laughs> yes. And when she doesn't have them, that's terrifying. And exactly. Too. Going back to that. And I love yes. thinking that like something that really just like warmed my heart was knowing that initially in all the press when Jordan Peele was first talking about Get Out, he was like, well, really, my 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 number one reference and influence was the Stepford Wives. And I was like, oh, my God, you know, like a, a filmmaker, a male filmmaker is referencing a story about women and women's experience as a, a as a way forward to his personal mm-hmm. sort of foray into personal filmmaking. And I just thought, oh, my God, like. This is the this is the revolution is men and women alike kind of just recognizing each other's stories as having intrinsic value. Yeah. Going back to female sexuality (laughs) and it being a fearful thing. Like if a woman has her sexuality, that's scary. She has power. Um, What is um, the cat people or whatever? She's like scared to like have sex Mm -hmm. because she thinks she's going to turn into a cat. Like that whole thing like of of like. You know, having turning into a monster in a way because of that power or the sexuality. I don't know. It's 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 a scarier thing than for or maybe it's scarier to men only. I don't know. <laughs> but female sexuality in that way, and then also not the you know repression. Yeah. Oh yeah, too. I repression feel like is terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> you said something interesting about like what are you noticing when you have been out in the world now with your work. And something that I've noticed a lot, and I bring this up not at all in a um, derogatory way, but something I'm I'm thinking about is the number of, of mostly young women who come up to me and who say, I don't have a question. I just want to say thank you. And I can feel particularly because they're younger and kind of naive and nervous and their hands are shaking and their voice is shaking and their like neck is flushed. I see it a lot. I feel like I'm seeing women at the at the early part of saying you exist, so maybe I exist. Mm-hmm. And can we just exist together and stand here? And it's really moving, kind of uncomfortable for me, to be honest. I get a little like, so what's your question? And then I realize that that's not what this is. This exchange is not about that. I'm sure you see this uh, with like just young people who just want to be near you to to kind of like say, OK, this this is ha- like we're we're here. You know, we exist. And so. There are times when I feel like the question I don't get is, do you exist? And the answer is, uh, yes. You know what I mean? Like, I know that that's very obvious and simple, but I can feel that there's like this missing piece, which is, do you feel you exist? And I realize the work I do is how I get there. And sometimes I don't feel it when I'm like driving or looking at billboards or watching CNN. I'm like, you know what? Actually, maybe I don't exist. Maybe I'm not here. Maybe this is all a dream, but it's kind of nice to recognize that the work I do gets me closer to feeling like I have presence in the world. And I wonder about all the girls and women and boys and men who don't feel represented somehow if part of what 
we're doing is saying, no, you are here. You're, you're here. And, you know, you kind of instead of raising your hand, you just have to start speaking. You know what I mean? Just being there, being uh, vocal and being seen, yeah. you know, yeah. being seen. See yourself. It starts with seeing yes. yourself. So people can see something that reminds them of themselves, whether it be their skin color yeah. or their gender or whatever it is that makes them feel like, OK, you're seen. And so I'm I can be seen like you Absolutely. said. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's like it's we all important. have our like personal freak flags and I just I just want to see more freak flags wave. I mean, I think part of what I'm realizing we're saying is that it's really important when women get to do the work they want to do, you know. Yeah. No matter what it is, yeah. there're all kinds of expressions of it. But, you know, when we feel useful in our own lives, I think that's oh sorry, that's probably just my alarm. Um I think when we feel useful in our own lives is when we feel like our life is, it is being seen and recognized. Yeah. You know, Emily, this was so fun. So nice to meet you, Karen. It was so <laughs> great talking with yeah, you. Yeah, this was yeah. great. This yeah. was super great. Thank you. Thanks, Karen and Emily. I learned so much about horror films that I didn't know from the two of you. So I'm really looking forward to our show. And I hope all of you will join us. I'm Adrienne Barbeau, and this has been She Kills, a Shudder original podcast, executive produced by Blair Bercy, Killian Van Rensler, Jordana Freyberg, and Deborah Henderson, hosted by Adrienne Barbeau, associate produced by Nancy Himmel, supervising producer Cara Frias, featuring interviews with Karen Kusama and Emily Deschanel, sound recording design and mixing by Iceman Audio. Production sound mixing and re-recording mixing by Evan Menick. Supervising sound editing and re-recording mixing by Michael Capuano. Composed by Doug Bossy. Music by iSpy Music. Production manager, Kay Tinder. Production legal, Jordan Rock. Production accounting, Stephen D. Smith. For Shudder, Owen Shiflett, Robin Jones, and Nicholas Lazo. She Kills. The characters and events depicted in this podcast are fictional. Any similarity to any actual person living or dead or to any actual events, firms, places, and institutions or other entities is coincidental and unintentional. This podcast is protected under the laws of the United States and other countries, and its unauthorized duplication, distribution, or exhibition may result in civil liability and criminal prosecution. Country of first publication, United States of America. She Kills. Copyright 2018. Digital Store, LLC. All rights reserved.